It is that time of month again to talk about what we've been watching that has not been contractually obligated for podcast use until now. So I do also want to say that on the regular episode this week, I promised that there would be moments when you could pause the podcast Mm -hmm. and talk and we would pretend that you were the third person in the room. Like there'd be opportunities here where you can pause it and then when you play again we're going to respond to you (laughs) okay so let's see if we can do that okay right for example right now yeah pause so nice to meet you (laughs) Mm, yeah hey have you been watching some interesting stuff pause whoa that sounds really great i need to check that out and or i very much enjoyed that when i saw it (laughs) wow it's like you're in the room with us now we've also been watching some stuff lately Mm, we have what have you been watching will no let's start with you because you just got married yeah and I just, I just wanted to put you on the spot. You want to put me on the spot? I wanted to be sadistic. But yeah, you got married. You had a whole freaking wedding this month in addition to Gold Ninja Video Duties, seven or eight podcasts, however many you do now. So it, it's tough for Justin. Justin loves watching movies, and it's hard for him to find the time sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, I try to find time to watch the remake of Hellraiser that came out last year that I never checked out. So tell me about this, because I was unaware that there was a new Hellraiser film. That's because it's Hulu Razor. It went directly to Hulu. What? What is the history of the Hellraiser like rights? Because, it, oh, because you want to get into that. Eh? Yeah, yeah, please. How did we get to this point? Well, so I'm not sure who owned the original Hellraiser new line up until movie four. But then somehow Miramax got its dirty mitts on it. And that was for number three, right? Or uh, Bloodline. The Dimension film. Yeah, one yeah. of them is a Dimension film. Yeah. And basically what was going to happen is that for the longest time, they were going to lose the rights unless they made a movie. So make movies they did. Oftentimes just taking scripts that don't have the pinhead and his Cenobites and just inserting them into it, right. which you would realize when you watch the movie and you're like, oh, Pinhead is just like a weird killer in Hellworld, <laughs> which is about a video game you play online and then everybody goes to a castle and starts being killed by all the Cenobites, but then at the end it's revealed to be all a dream they're having while being buried in a coffin. But spoiler alert, the Cenobites are real. So if I hear that there's a new Hellraiser movie that's gone straight to Hulu or straight to video mm-hmm. or something, I would think, I hope they gave it to some hungry young filmmaker who reinvented the concept, did something really interesting with it. Was that the case now? I would say they gave it to a hungry-ish filmmaker, David Bruckner, who's been kicking around for a long time. Probably his highest kind of attention thing was The Signal. Remember that in 2007? Did you no, ever see that one? No, I don't. It was like an it was a narrative movie where the gimmick was that it was broken up into three parts and a different director directed each one. Mm-hmm. But then David Bruckner became a guy that his name would be attached to everything but then nothing would actually get made and it would fall to the wayside until he made the ritual which played midnight madness a couple years back Mm -hmm. and that finally gave him i guess enough of a name that he could attach himself to a movie and stay attached like he did the night house which came out in 2020 which asked the question what if your husband had another house And I was like, listen, I can't even have one house. Two houses? That's crazy. And then we have Hellraiser, which I have to say, I was amused that they're keeping those roots of the Dimension films and they're shot in an Eastern European country. (laughs) I think in this case, Serbia. And it tries to do some interesting stuff. 
I wouldn't say it reinvents the wheel. Mm. Is it an okay Hellraiser film? Yes. There's some fun gimmicks that they make up, like when you do the kind of puzzle thing that makes the Cenobites come up, that if you get cut by it, the Cenobites will chase you until you die. Or if you get cut and you can somehow make a deal with them and sacrifice a number of people, they will allow you to go as long as you get people to get cut by that box. Is there any kind of new spin on the material, really, like in the story? Or is it just kind of like a bootleg cover of the original it's you know what i i it doesn't have the kind of like gothic uk-ish vibes or grandiosity of the first second and third and i was kind of missing that instead it has you know bruckner's style is you know i don't mean this too insultingly but an a24 kind of like <laughs> slickness i would say the character work is very strong i really like the actors that were in it like i cared about them being killed or not because like the hellraiser films maybe except for the third one usually don't have a slasher structure they're more kind of like all over the place and this one adopted that are there some stuff that's like oh wow that's genuinely gross yeah like a guy that's alive and he has a gigantic machine that's running strings into his exposed body because he's a rich guy who wished that he could feel stuff that nobody else has so it's like running his nerves through this like wire machine and he's like oh it's so much pain but that is the exception to the rule in the movie mm -hmm. do you see a lot of the Cenobites yes probably more than most of the movie so if that's what you were going wow. for you know you get it I love those guys well speaking of movies I've been <laughs> what a transition <laughs> <laughs> oh by the way I'm gonna ask the listener now tell me about a movie you've seen pause Wow, I fucking hated that movie. Oh, whoa, you're coming in guns blazing. Will, Will, hold yourself back. Maybe you need to watch it and I'm, give it I'm another chance. Saying, I'm just saying this listener needs better taste if he wants in this room. I and it is a he. I trust <laughs> opinion on the films that, you know, they watch and like. You know what? Maybe I could stand to learn from insert name you know. <laughs> yeah insert name there uh, we expect when we say the name that you say it out loud like <laughs> our friends do so we remember remember who we're talking <laughs> to so anyway i've said time and time again that there's only one movie theater in toronto and it's the king's way <laughs> it's in the west end of the city around royal york station not that that means anything to out-of-town listeners and it is toronto's grindhouse they've been playing sound of freedom for weeks they're uh, still playing it and i'd they're probably not even paying for it. I think the owner just likes it. Yeah. I think he I just think he believes does. in yeah. it. Which, none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we've said before, anyone doing the weird things that we like, listen, it comes to territory, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Eccentricity means eccentricity, but mm. it also means eccentricity. Because would we get somebody out there in the world playing 35 millimeter prints to audiences of three every Friday? Every Friday. We've said this before. The King's Bay will show something and often utterly baffling. Like Justin and I, a few weeks ago, you'll remember, went to see David Mamet's The Winslow Boy. That's right. On 35 millimeter film glistening. And sometimes, sometimes it'll be like a well-known cult movie. Oftentimes it'll be The Winslow Boy. And a couple of weeks ago... It's whatever's on eBay. I see them yeah, on eBay because yeah. I search 35 millimeter print stuff. So A couple of weeks ago, it was Battlefield Earth. Now, you know Battlefield Earth. I saw it theatrically when it played. My dad took me to it. Well, So you, I've seen it on 35mm film, wow, my friend. How about that? I mean, you know... You, I would have gone again, but my wedding was the next day, which kind of got gunked up the works. Yeah, but, but you that's know what? no excuse. A film... J Justin, by the way, was serving in the Sea Org when he was a child, <laughs> and he was one of many who were bussed in to fill the front row. I think I've said this on the podcast before. I read many a L. Ron Hubbard book as a child. Do you like L. Ron Hubbard as an author? Not really. Yeah. But he had the series of books about an evil man 
plan was an evil plan trying to take over the world and like each book was about him trying to do this well you know l ron hubbard he's giving you all the clues here but i enjoyed that mostly because i think it was like the cheapest book you could go you could get from the used bookstore where my parents would take me which is why i would read those well i didn't see battlefield earth theatrically but i did see it on dvd when it was new but you didn't see the real version of battlefield earth that's right because they cut a couple scenes for the dvd apparently i think mark hansen told me this because john travolta was so insulted by some things people said on ain't it cool news.com wow the power of ain't it cool news i know but i remember i remember that dvd very well and this is 20 years since i've seen it snapper case yeah snapper case warner brothers but the extras included you know a little making of documentaries and there was an interview with travolta on it where he was like i got a call from george lucas you know the god of sci-fi and he said i know who you need to direct your movie roger christian and roger christian was a well-known like set designer and art director he worked on aliens some of the star wars movies life of brian so roger christian roger roger christian or roger christensen i don't have the name roger christian his short film that he made i believe it was called black knight it was basically a remake with martin lawrence yeah of course <laughs> love yeah. that movie i remember someone in school who told me that was his favorite film of all time you know what his second favorite was the grinch <laughs> the jim carrey version of course yeah well those were popular movies in the day <laughs> well so this short film the black knight was on copies in the uk of star wars the empire strikes back like wow. it preceded the film that's how much george lucas liked it yeah so seeing John Travolta say that in these interviews recorded before the release of the film, it's like, you know, last known footage before the atrocity happened, you know, <laughs> you know, right before the asteroid was about to hit. And Battlefield Earth, it's it's interesting because it's one of those movies, you know, legendary flop in its day. And it has not got a cult following in the years since. No, it hasn't. Yeah, it hasn't been reclaimed in any way. Wait, I remember seeing it in theaters. I think I know why it hasn't. It's boring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's but, the issue. But, of course, our mutual friend Mark Hansen introduced the screening. He's fascinated by Battlefield Yeah, but we talked about it yesterday. He's like, oh, I don't like it. But I do love Roger Christian's, what is it called? Mind Ma- game? Ma- Mastermind. Mastermind. Yeah, he loves that movie. Yeah, The Ma- Home Alone ripoff was Patrick Stewart. I mean, I loved that when I was a kid. I've never seen it. Uh, yeah, no, Masterminds was... Home Alone in a high school, yeah. also known as Die Hard in a high school with I, a kid. Wait, aren't you talking about like Demolition High or whatever, directed by Jim Wynorski, starring <laughs> right. Corey, Corey Haim. Haim? Yeah, yeah. I know this movie because Patrick Stewart in an interview was like, Home Alone was a huge hit. I was certain that Mastermind was going to be the next one. Patrick Stewart's like, I put my own money in Mastermind. I'm an executive producer on that wow. film. Well, what I'll tell you about Masterminds, Patrick Stewart is very good in it. Mm. Yeah. It's weird Patrick Stewart didn't act in more movies, right? Like, was he just too hammy? Is that what they thought? Maybe he just likes the theater more. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he would argue it's like, please, give me a role. I'm in Mastermind, for God's sakes. I mean, he's definitely had, you know, the X-Men movies. They were mm. pretty big. But anyway, Battlefield Earth, hadn't seen it in 20 years, was kind of hoping I might... <laughs> well, <laughs> look, you always want to like something a little bit more. And You're like, oh, I forgot that Barry Pepper stars in this film, that Charisma Dynamo. I mean... I do think a lot of the problem, well, a lot of everything is a problem. Dutch angles. Yeah, the Dutch angles. I mean, it's like the most tasteless. It's the directorial equivalent to that dance that Ricky Gervais does in The Office. You remember? (laughs) Yeah. Where it's just like flailing and just like all sorts of style for no reason at all. And yeah, it looks absolutely awful. 
I think the source material is probably pretty bad too. Mm -hmm. I haven't yeah. read the L. Ron Hubbard book, but it's like, it's so funny knowing that he wrote it in the early eighties because it's like, Oh, you just ripped off star Wars. That's what you did. The whole movie is basically like star Wars. Yeah. Like it's the death star like raid is, is what the movie basically is. Now does Roger Christian have enough of a career that we, we could dedicate an episode to him? I don't think there's a lot that's good there. Like people I, like I, the sender. Okay. Which is like his horror film that he made. Look, I'm looking here. Look, four and a half stars, four and a half stars, okay. three stars, three stars, three and a half. We have not Black Knight, Black Angel. Look, five stars, four stars, three stars. I remember hearing Roger Christian on the Projection Booth podcast because they did an episode on Battlefield Earth and he actually sounded a little bit delusional about Battlefield oh, Earth. Oh, he did. Okay. Like he was kind of like, like, oh yeah, you know, it, it only did okay in theaters, but you know, it did well on cable and we were talking about doing a sequel on cable. <laughs> And then some. this was around the same time that the screenwriter of Battlefield Earth was like, wrote an article about how I wrote the worst movie ever. And mm. like the screenwriter accepted his Razzie in person. He was one of those guys. And, and the host of the projection booth, Mike White, asked like about that screenwriter and Roger Christian got immediately really defensive. Like, oh, that yeah, I don't know about him. He's like always in it for publicity. I don't know about him. Roger Christian did say an interesting thing about being the set designer on Life of Brian mm. that I remembered. He said it was a very difficult experience because all the pythons were giving him different directions because <laughs> like Terry Jones was the director of the movie, yeah. but then Terry Gilliam was technically in charge of design and they had completely different ideas. And then like, well, maybe John Cleese wants an idea. Maybe Eric Idle has something to say. And so it was just a nightmare of production for him, apparently. Yeah, it's almost like they would have to break up at some point until later on coming together just for the money. <laughs> yep. Anyway, the Battlefield Earth experience at Kingsway was great because the print looked beautiful. Mm -hmm. Looked like they was just struck. Well, wasn't it like an it was Italian an print? It was an Italian print that the owner of the theater synced up like DVD audio to or something. Mm -hmm. And it looked beautiful, beautiful blues and teals. Too bad the movie was so fucking awful. But also, Mark Hansen did an intro, which was by his own volition. He's like, I just want to introduce Battlefielders. And he did a great job, really set the tone. And I had a, I had a very good time. That's I will great. say that it dragged in the middle a little bit. <laughs> oh, really? But uh, isn't it like a two and a half hour movie or something? It's like only that? two hours. Oh, I, I remember being I a kid only and watching two hours. It, and being it like, fucking feels like oh, it. it feels like it's going on forever. And I will say the thing that you hold on to in the movie is that John Travolta is so hammy. Oh, well, they cut out. Of I the... was conquering galaxies when you were learning to tie your. I don't know whatever uh, is on line the DVD. Is. They cut out like the big trailer moment where like he yells something. Right. That's yeah. our other friend Mike Wood is like obsessed with that. He's like I just, I want that footage and he was there of course at the yeah. screening because yeah. he needed to see it. Some other stuff that I've watched I've. You know, every now and then I'll look at Chua Hark's filmography on my letterbox and go, are there any that I haven't seen? Well, I, I've seen almost all of them. Like, if you look at, you click and you go, like, grayed out. I've even written reviews for all of his movies. Like, I'll check. It's like, did I just like this one? I've covered them all. Now I'm into the films he produced, specifically the ones that I remember watching in the early 2000s. There's one called Zenda. No reviews online. Like, it's been completely forgotten. And when you watch the movie, you're like, wow, this is one that True Heart clearly ghost directed. The novelty is, it seemed like it's him 
testing the waters about working in mainland China in that mm. it's a mainland Chinese production. It's like a wild kind of like not UFC, but it's full contact fighting in rings. It's like Xanda is like a type of combat and you've never seen fighters so sweaty. Every punch, just gallons of sweat fly in the air. The film is hyper edited like time and tide. I had fun with it with mm. a classic that I'd be like, you got to see this lost true heart film. No, but you know, I was feeling in the dumps. I was like, give me some true heart. Put it in my veins. Mm. As I said before, I'm not somebody who goes back a lot to like classic films as like comfort food. So instead, you I don't like, rewatch movies much. Not really. Yeah. yeah. I'm like Pauline Kale. I'm like, I got, I, I saw them once. I, I got them. That's right. No, it's just kind of like, I remember this well enough, even though that. You know, True Hearts Once Upon a Time in China films are so, like, bursting with stuff that I constantly return to them, but I always watch, like, three, four, five, and I'm like, I haven't seen these, right? Yeah, I've seen them. I remember them better than I remember one and two that I never go to because those are the canonical classics. You want know some movie that I actually watch all the time and I'll sometimes just, like, watch a scene or I'll put it on the background <laughs> is Don't Let the River Beast Get You. Really? You're just like, I just need it. I just like I just like hearing that dialogue, you know? That's one that I'll sometimes just put on, like, in a window or something and just enjoy a scene or two of it. <laughs> what else yeah. have you been watching, Will? Well, speaking Speaking of movies, watching again, I just revisited a little movie called Nashville by Robert Altman. Whoa, is it good? <laughs> yes. Wow. Honestly, so my favorite Robert Altman movie is either Nashville. OG and Stiggs. I like I like OC and Stiggs. It's all right. I, I think it's fun. Yeah. But, but, National Lampoons, OC and Stiggs. That's right. No, my, my favorite one is either Nashville or McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and it depends on which one I've seen mm. last. And Nashville, my God, it's it's so bursting with stuff. And on this particular viewing, I liked the movie's depiction of celebrity. The fact that like there are different tiers of celebrity. So the Henry Gibson character, Haven, who's like that, he's dressed like Evil Knievel, and he's like, he opens the movie with that ridiculous song of like we must be doing something right to last 200 years there's a moment halfway through the movie where he's performing at the grand Ole opry and he's like the perfect local celebrity where he gets on stage he's like what 55 years old or something and he's been around for so long that nobody remembers exactly why he got famous he's what, just famous whatever he and he's only famous like he he's he's got famous enough in this town but he was clearly never good enough to get outside the town so he just wields he just wields his power in this town like a fucking monarch and, he, and he's he's on stage at the grand old opry and he's doing the laziest performance ever he's just standing on the stage giving giving it nothing singing he's completely almost bob dylan-esque <laughs> yeah yeah maybe whatever but listen <laughs> bob dylan wrote like a rolling stone yeah and this fucking well, you guy, don't know what henry gibson's character wrote <laughs> no i do because he sings the songs and they're bad <laughs> they're bad okay well do you think that anyone going to a bob dylan concert now having never seen bob dylan not been familiar with his music well well no <laughs> yeah. but but here's the thing it's like you could you could say that about any artist late in their career yes. where it's like the point is that it's the culmination of a long communication what i'm trying to say is justice for henry Gibson's bad country singer. I th you you read that thing that I I was quoted on. Wait, how did you get quoted? Do you know who wrote that? No, the guy. They, I was I was in an article in the Times of London this week <laughs> about late period Bob Dylan. No, somebody just reached out to me out of the blue because they read a blog post that I wrote. Okay, about Bob Dylan and quoted me. And I think you read that quote. And you were like, "This is ridiculous." No, I this is not ridiculous. This is something that you've told me over and over and over again. Yeah, I was trying to remember where did Matthew and Will fight about Bob Dylan. It's 
It's in the Christmas episode that we did many, many years ago. Because he doesn't like Bob Dylan. No, because yeah. you started it was the to Christmas de- album specifically. Yeah, yeah, because you started to defend the Christmas Bob Dylan album. Matthew's like, I don't want to hear Yoda sing a Christmas song. Very funny. Listen, I, I sh- did I get mad in that episode? Because I... I don't I, think you did. I think it was very playful. Right, right. Because, listen, people can like that album or not. Mm. I don't care. Anyway. Yeah, you like it. That's all that matters. Exactly. Last thing I'll say about Nashville, though, is the scenes when an actual celebrity comes in, like Elliot Gould plays himself in one scene, Julie Christie plays himself. It is Henry Gibson plays it so fucking well where he now has to pivot where it's like, oh, shit, I'm not somebody way more famous than me is here. And so so then he pivots to being I'm the king of Nashville. Mm. It's like, okay, I can't be more famous than this person, but I can be more Nashville than this person. (laughs) So he's like, well, Miss Christie, I hope you remember all of our fine filming facilities here in Nashville when you go back to Hollywood. The whole movie is about celebrity. It's Mm. about all these like, you know, people just on the edge of fame or people who are famous and are being completely ground up alive in it. One of the best movies about fame. Mm. Did you just watch it because you're like, I'm famous now. How do I act? Let me put on Nashville. I wish I was as famous as Haven in that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You come out and you're like, Hey, my thoughts on Bob Dylan. (laughs) You got to stick with some. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. Last thing I'll say is the confidence of Nashville where so much of it is really mediocre country music, Mm. purposely mediocre country music. And the movie is just like, you sit and you listen to this country music. And because there is character development in this country music, the, the, the big dick confidence of doing that is incredible. And then when, when Keith Carradine comes in and, you know, is really good. I mean, in contrast to what's come before, that's what makes the movie work. Yeah. I mean, Nashville, it's a great movie, folks. Altman always had that big dick confidence. Just sometimes it didn't work so well Well, for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely with Altman, certain elements had to be in place for it to coalesce. Mm -hmm. But Nashville is one of those times. It just clicks right into place. So what else have I been watching? I checked out Lash LaRue movie that I haven't seen, Alien Outlaw. You know, he made those two films in the same year. That's right. Now, this is in the 80s. Lash LaRue, famous cowboy star. Mm Mm-hmm. Not famous anymore. No. Star of King of the Bullwhip. But it's so funny that filmmakers in the 80s were like, listen, we're making two films. We're directing them. What will make this sell? Alien Outlaw and oh, what was the other one called? It was like The Evil Within or something like yeah. that. And they're like, Lash LaRue. We can get them. And you know what? I had seen the other one and I had enjoyed it. The Phil Smoot joint, The Dark Power. But this other one, Alien Outlaw, Lash LaRue never uses a whip oh no but he's the king of the bullwhip he uses the whip so much in the other one and then they're like listen we're going easy in alien outlaw no bullwhip what's the point in having him is lash larue like in the movie for the whole thing yeah he is wow. he's not the star he's like a supporting character but he shows up multiple times and you can tell they didn't just have him for a day mm. but it's like what is lash up to <laughs> like in the late does, 80s does lash have charisma no. No, not really. Did you like the movie? Uh, I like The Dark Power more than I liked Alien Outlaw. Even okay. though there's some... Alien Outlaw is probably goofier than The Dark Power. I, and these filmmakers, film Smoot, he would, his only two directorial efforts, he said everything he had to say, mm-hmm. and he just worked in the industry in other capacities after that. But you wonder, like... You're wondering why they got Lash through. Like, yeah, why Lash? I think it's just because a star is a star on some level. And like if you're, well, nowadays, it's the same reason why you'd get Eric Roberts. Mm-hmm. It's like, I if, mean, that is a baffling decision now, to anyone. Eric Roberts is pretty bottom of the barrel. But OK, let's say any other any other star. It's just like if you're on the streaming service and you see the name of a star, any star, that's a basic kind of like minimum barrier to entry thing where somebody looking at it is like, oh, that means it's real. Is there like a Rupert Murdoch style figure up at the top? top who's like i love eric 
Eric Roberts. <laughs> like, because he keeps, or his, his, you know, cost is so low that like, I mean, we know that's the case. I heard an interview with Eric Roberts once where his, his wife. Listen, you need these dildo pills. They're yeah. going to help you out. Now his wife who runs the operation, she's yeah. his manager. She apparently said to him, this is what he said. She said to him one time, what would you like in your career? What would you like more than anything? And he said, I want to be on a movie set every day of the year. Yeah. And she said, we can do that for you. Mm-hmm. So he just, he just loves and it doesn't matter, big or small. But what's wild is he does big and small. Like he shows I love up his career. in Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. Yeah. He should be in more of Babylon. I, I think. agree. Yes. But I liked the seconds that he was in. And then, yeah, 500 movies, like some of the truly Ooh. worst movies ever. But then you also have like the Pope of Greenwich Village. Like, well, okay. That was like 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but like he's in the Dark Knight. He's in the Expendables. He's he good in, in the Dark Knight, too. I agree. Yeah. I watched a movie nobody knows, no one cares about, Survive the Night, a.k.a. Night Hunt. Mm-hmm. And I only got interested because I read a description that was, it's a one long night film it's basically judgment night but if it was women instead i was like oh, okay maybe and then i saw shot entirely in toronto for new york love it's it. a 1993 movie my favorite kind of movie so do you see that weird gas station at the corner downtown you do indeed i know exactly the you one you're exactly talking the about one i'm talking about don't you don't even need to give me the coordinates i know it and is it treated like an abandoned gas station where nobody <laughs> is it is even though it's very populated that area yeah do you see that subway station that they only use for shooting because it's like an underground subway state at bay. I think it's the lower it's in one. Suicide Squad. Yep. That one is there indeed. And they're like, it's so funny because they're like, New York's gone to the dogs. Cut to like Toronto skyline <laughs> and stuff like that. So yeah, if a movie and it's genre I'm kind of interested in and it's shot in Toronto, I will check it out just to see the sights. Well, you got to check out Police Academy 3. Mission, no, wait. Not no, Mission to Moscow. It, no, Police Academy 3 is back in training. Back in training. Because it has a big climax where they're all on jet skis on Lake Ontario. <laughs> yeah. And you get to see the toronto skyline behind them uh, it's we've beautiful th- threatened to each other an episode about uh film shot in toronto playing somewhere else yeah so i guess <laughs> police academy three death max wi- Payne, death wish five death wish five and yep. suicide squad <laughs> oh god we have to watch suicide squad yeah may- maybe not that one isn't it funny that like toronto like we suicide squad fever like you know road shut down for weeks do you remember when it was filming in yes toronto? i do remember i i sometimes i got to see the joker mobile go by on young street wow. that was pretty fun but I didn't stay out all night because if you did, but if you did, apparently you got to see the Batmobile. Wow. Yeah. But the Batmobile, you don't even like that Batmobile. No. No. So. I don't, I don't really have regrets. You, know? <laughs> you don't live with regrets. I remember once walking through New York City and seeing them filming Amazing Spider-Man 2. Well, how about the Incredible Hulk? Do you remember that? I remember when I they wasn't sh- around when they shot the Incredible oh, Hulk. Yeah. I, I, saw, I mean, of course I went to Big Slice and looked at the image on yeah. the wall. Yeah. I saw Young and Dundas Square shut down with Club Zanzibar next to the Apollo <laughs> Theater. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. So, hey, movies, uh, speaking of movies, (laughs) here's one more for you. I revisited for the first time in 20 years, The Medallion with Jackie Chan. I saw that. I saw that. I'm surprised it was the first time in 20 years. Well, because I always slotted it in my head as one of his American movies. But it's not. It's a Hong Kong production. Yes, but it had American producers, I believe. Yeah. So Sony Pictures had their fingers in the pie. Yeah. But it was also an emperor motion picture Mm. group. And it's got, you know, the solid gold talent of Gordon Chan behind the camera. Well, director of Fist of Legend, he had some, he had his good Yeah, Broken Clock, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so, but the medallion had, has incredible pedigree because action director, Sam O'Hung. Scott Atkins is in it. Cinematographer of- Peter Powell? Yeah, 36 Chambers Shaolin. 
hang on. 36 Chambers of Shaolin. Yeah, yeah. The same cinematographer as 36 Chambers of Shaolin. It was, hang on, let me get the name for you. Arthur Wong. Oh, Ar- yeah, Arthur Wong. And he shot a ton of like Jackie movies. He shot Armor of God. Yeah, Arthur you know. Wong is one of the guys who defined the look of Hong Kong films. That kind of like blue lighting with smoke. That's an Arthur Wong thing. Yeah, so he shot the movie. I mean, Anthony Wong is in the cast, which meant nothing to me 20 years ago, but now does. You know what's a really weird kind of like Chinese slash Hong Kong meets America movie? Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Both really? Simon Yam and Anthony Wong are in the movie. Oh, well, that kind of gets me interested in <laughs> yeah. that. But I mean, especially after the great experience he had with the medallion, right? Yeah, so I wanted to watch it because I wanted to see some of that Hong Kong flavor. And it is... Yeah, like after Hong Kong cinema had died, there was that, uh, let's call it the Twins Effect era, mm-hmm. you know, the or the Vampire Effect as it was known <laughs> yeah. in America. Like kind of really bad. CG. CG, yeah. yeah doesn't and, he get magic powers in that movie? Yeah, the movie's kind of like super fuzz in the, se- in the sense that it has that like mid p- mid pacific wait, wait, like, wait. it doesn't have a perfect script by Batman bay logan writing the film he's only one of five credited writers five credited yeah because his version god i can't believe i have all this information in, in my head it was originally called high binders that's right and in fact in the outtakes at the end you can still see high binders on the clapper board the movie's 88 minutes long and the dvd has like a million deleted scenes i watched a couple of them mm-hmm. and it's funny because there's this long scene with anthony wong like doing comical stuff with a wacky russian stereotype guy and it's like clearly sony came in and was like what's all this fucking like <laughs> it, hong kong idiocy like there's some real like ridiculous but do you remember that film was delayed like five years or something it was delayed, it was delayed a long a, time a while and yeah. it, it was released in the dregs of summer at the very end of summer the i mean it's a perfect it released and more like escaped yeah yeah. From what I remember. It's a perfect just sort of international mishmash movie because the sidekick is Lee Evans. <laughs> Whoa, Mouse Hunts Lee Evans? Who is horrible. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, he's the worst... The worst? The worst Jackie Chan sidekick. I mean, easily. I'm thinking Maybe the Steve worst. Coogan? No, I, I, I like Steve Coogan. Yeah, Steve yeah. Coogan's better. No, Lee Evans has just flop sweat on him. He's like nonstop, <laughs> nonstop shenanigans. Ugh. And it's like quiet down for god's sake but yeah jackie gets arbitrary superpowers i mean yeah the cgi is awful who's the guy who plays snakehead in it? <laughs> i don't remember the villain oh julian sands that's right oh rest in peace and he gives like a quintessential like slumming british actor mm. playing a villain performance yeah. like probably doesn't even know what movie he's in yeah doesn't really care and it's movies like this that like these are Jackie Chan's artistic instincts. Mm-hmm. This movie, if this movie had been made 20 years earlier, it would have been more fun because it would have had a more of a fantasy mission force quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's just something kind of so corporate about it. I will say though, when I saw this in theaters, <laughs> you saw in theaters? Oh uh, yeah, I did. That's how big a Jackie fan I was. Like at the time it was like, God, oh, this is pretty sad, isn't it? But watching it now, it's like, there are some scenes where it's like, Oh, he jumps on a moving car. He like <laughs> climbs up a wall. It's like, I wish Jackie could still do this. Wait, aren't you excited about the karate? kid crossover film that's right there's gonna be a new karate kid movie with jackie chan and ralph macchio you saw the announcement video oh yeah where they're very much in the same room <laughs> very twin dragons-esque of like Haha, yeah jackie yeah <laughs> they're like in a featureless white void you i wish those two hug each other prove you're in the same room <laughs> just like the twin dragons themselves yeah i mean that, that this movie's so funny because it's like i guess it's probably thanks to the success of the karate kid on netflix that's why this movie's being made and just like any old property will get revived mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah, do you recognize it? Yeah, I know what the Karate Kid. All right, let's make a new one. 